Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to Mint. I am Nasreen Sultana. You are listening to All Things Markets, where I speak to experts analyzing the big trends moving the stock markets. Although 2021 showed a promising start, new variants are leading to renewed COVID-19 waves and lockdowns in many Asian countries. Still, equity markets continue to surge, while in India, markets have been hitting record highs. As stocks consistently make new highs, defying elevated valuations, net inflows into equity mutual fund schemes galloped to record high in July, rising almost six times in a month. Net rupees 20,743 crore was pumped into equity schemes in July, a 350% jump from previous month. So, where are the markets headed? Have investors become complacent about risk now? To discuss that, I'm joined by V. Srivatsa, Fund Manager Equity at UTI AMC. Hi, Mr. Srivatsa. Welcome to the show. Yeah, hi. Hi, man. Stock markets have been hitting record highs uh, multiple times, actually, in the month of August. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, do you think that this makes stock markets risky now and uh, there could be a sharp correction somewhere close by. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks a lot for this podcast. Uh, so just to you know answer it in a very brief way, so obviously I think investors do tend to get jittery because whenever they have seen the stock market hitting a fresh high, if you, if you go back to a 15-year, 20-year history, the fall has been pretty steep after that. Now, if I were to just go back to the previous two, three highs, which comes into my memory, which is the 2000 high and probably the 2007 high, I think a big differentiator then was that it was a very narrow kind of a rally, which was, you know, in 2000s led by tech and 2007, again, led by the entire infrastructure space. And obviously, the valuations for those narrow sectors were all over the place. And uh, there was a huge kind of momentum and, uh, and you know, of, of, of swinging, and uh, and uh, then when when it all fell apart, I think the 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 entire markets corrected big time. So it took almost three four years for the markets to recover from the 2000 levels, and the same we you know uh, it it also took a good two three years to recover from the 2008 highs uh, as well. Now what is different this time? You know, I think uh, first is this, this this rally is far more broad based. I mean, though in the last maybe two, three years, certain consumer sectors have kind of, uh, uh, you know, seen higher uh, appreciation. But broadly, I would say this rally has been fair to most of the sectors, whichever has been able to show the growth and the ROC has been uh, kind of uh, fairly rewarded. The second, I think, difference between this uh, rally and probably the earlier top was the fact that both in 2001 as well as in 2007-8, you know, the uh, at least both the global as well as an Indian economy saw a lot of weakness. And, you know, especially in 2007, we all know what happened post the GFC. There was a fair amount of turmoil for more than, you know, 18 to 24 months uh, after which the markets and the economy recovered. 
today we are actually in a very contrasting situation where we have already borne out the pain in the last uh, probably 12 to 15 months. Uh, one could also argue that this is there in the price. I, I'll come to that valuation part later. But I think we are in a point where probably our growth is looking uh, much, much better than what it was in the last five, six years. And there has also been a lot of good work done by the government in terms of a lot of reforms which has come in in the last five, six years. Some of it, you know, we have clearly not seen the full fruits of it, whether it oh. is the GST or whether whether it is a land reform, whether it's a labor reforms, and, you know, all these PLI schemes. Uh, so, I mean, th because of the various issues, starting with ILFS controversies, as well as this COVID-19, which, of course, had a much, much more profound impact than, mm. than any of the earlier controversies. But I guess we have clearly not seen the full impact of that. So I'm quite positive in the next three to five years in terms of our growth rebounding in a very big way. Now, coming to the valuation. Yes, I think if I look at the valuation in terms of trailing 12 months, we are at 24, 25 times. We are roughly at around three, three and a half times price to book, uh, which is definitely higher than the longer term history. But however, I think we need to keep two factors into account. I think one is the fact that, as I said, today we are coming out of a very worse time and uh, the future outlook one, two year down the line could be vastly different from what it was a couple of years back or even in the last 12 months. And as all of us know, I think markets typically pay for the future outlook, not for the past. The second one is that I think the index composition has changed meaningfully in the last 10 years. I think the share of commodities have come down, the share of consumers, pharmaceuticals and retail banks, for example, has come up, come up in a meaningful way. And hopefully, you know, since we have the new age uh, companies such as Zomato, uh, hopefully probably five years down the line, index could look very different from what it was. But the basis point I'm making is the fact that um, a, a headline higher PE or price to book may not indicate the fact that the markets are very expensive relative to the history because the composition of the index has changed. So yes, mm -hmm. I, uh, the valuations are high per se. I mean, even if you adjust for the differences in the index, but I don't see any reason to be worried about for a crash. We may have a time correction of three to six mm -hmm. months. That's fine. But I don't foresee a situation where we would be looking at a 20-30% fall like uh, what we saw maybe 18 months back that was entirely led by an unprecedented event or even probably in 2007 or 2013 where the factors were different. So I, I believe that we may have a time correction or market may move sideways for maybe two, three quarters before giving up the next move. But mm. I don't foresee a return to the situation where, you know, we are seeing a 20-30% fall, we are seeing nervousness all around. Uh, that, of course, nobody can say never, but, but the probability is quite remote at this point of time. Well, that's quite bullish uh, take on the stock markets now. Uh, but at the same time, we, it's not that there are no risks involved. There's a geopolitical tension uh, brewing uh, at one side of the, of the world. Uh, plus, we, uh, we have the high commodity prices, which we saw that it had an impact on earnings. At this uh, juncture, do you think that uh, to some extent, in institutional investors as well as the retail participants have become complacent about the market risk now. 
Uh, I would say yes. I think uh, the biggest indicator is the kind of IPOs that's coming and the subscription and you know the, the kind of speculation we are seeing in 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 some of the IPO stocks. Apart from that, I think uh, also in a lot of small cap sectors, we are seeing a fair amount of speculation. You know where uh, there is not big meaningful uh, uh, institutional ownership either of those sectors or stocks. So I will not rule out the fact that uh, there is some amount of speculation going in certain pockets of the markets. Uh, but see, I think the risk, if you ask me, what is probably not factored in, or I won't say factored in, but what can surprise the market is to me the biggest factor is the liquidity. So I will not deny the fact that the last 12 months of rally has happened because of global liquidity flowing in. If that liquidity tap were to stop, completely, I think that would have a kind of a knee-jerk reaction. The same would also go on the domestic part where we have seen massive liquidity coming in from the retail part. And uh, typically, they they kind of tend to react given their experiences. So, you know, they tend to probably put in more money when, uh, when they are making profits. And the moment they start seeing losses, they may also cut down and, you know, lower their activity. Right. But overall, I don't see a fact that investors are taking it too lightly, though in certain pockets of the market, that would be the case. Probably incumbents are penciling in a rate tinkering by the end of the calendar year uh, or maybe by end of the fiscal year. Uh, do you think that will that may have an impact on the liquidity that's there in abundance in the stock markets now? Uh, last month also we saw the record flow of money coming into equity schemes, and uh, we're looking at the DIs also have been consistently buying the equities. Uh, now, if RBI has to make a bit of tinkering, like following other global central banks, would there be an impact on the equity side? There would be a limited impact. I mean, I will not uh, deny the fact, but uh, I think today the RBI or everybody is focused on the growth. And, uh, and and I strongly believe that if growth comes, that itself will take care of inflation. So if you even look at the period from 2003 to 7, we actually had a reasonably you know, high level of inflation. You know, all the metal prices zoomed, the oil prices went from $20 to all the way to $100. But still, that did not impact us in a meaningful way because we had growth coming in. So the answer to all this question is that the moment we get that growth mojo coming back, I my guess is that inflation itself, you know, will kind of uh, uh, will will uh, I mean the uh, the impact of inflation will get addressed. In terms of RBI, my guess is that they would look for more data points before coming to it. I mean, uh, because we still haven't seen growth coming back in a meaningful way because of the crisis or because of the COVID situation. So the sum and uh, short of it is that uh, I don't see RBI increasing in a meaningful way. They'll probably look for more data points. And uh, I still expect probably the liquidity may come down depending on, on how the markets react. But I don't see a very meaningful drop in the liquidity. Right. Uh, see, um, if I have to ask you about the DI, uh, the uh, the inflows that we saw in the month of July, the SIP number was, of course, very encouraging. It was above 9,000 crore. Uh, and also the inflows into equity schemes were at record high. Uh, that, that's a very pretty high number. Do you expect uh, this kind of inflow to be consistent into uh, mutual funds uh, going forward? 
Uh, yeah, I think uh, if I really look at the data in the last uh, three to four years, I think uh, the average individual mutual fund investor is now quite mature. You know, unlike what happened ten years back or fifteen years back, when the mutual fund investor used to stop investing when the markets went down or probably even withdrew the money. Uh, here we are actually seeing the reverse that uh, probably he's putting in more money. And also in 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 our personal investments, uh, you know, an average retail investor is also guided to a large extent by what has been the experience in that particular asset class. So if the last five years I've been doing an SIP and my return is say double digit, which is you know far far higher than what I would get in any safe instrument in the market today, I would be kind of incentivized to continue with it or maybe even increase my allocation given the fact that you know. My my income levels would have gone up, so this is something very structural that I'm seeing, and uh, I see that continuing. And what has been positive, if I look at the data points in the last uh, 12 to 18 months, is that when the markets are down, investors have actually supported the market by putting in more flows. So that is, I would say, a far more positive, which really you know shows the maturity of the Indian mutual fund investor. Okay, so shifting focus to the stock markets once again. Uh, now going ahead, um, you know, what, what do you think would be the big triggers? Uh, because June quarter earnings is already over, and uh, numbers, market, and management commentaries were also uh, very short confidence that uh, the, the business growth is going to continue for most of the sectors. Uh, now, what do you think would be the big triggers for stock markets going ahead? And uh, what could be the big challenges according to you? I understand uh, probably a third wave uh, could be a deterrent to all the economic prospects that probably economists are penciling in. But besides the third wave, uh, what do you think are the challenges and uh, and the triggers for stock markets going ahead? See, I would say it's. Uh, I think there is a fair amount of optimism built on the reopening of the economy, which is happening in phases. So there is a fair degree of expectation that uh, we will be back to normal by the second half of this current year, notwithstanding the fact that there are fears of a third wave. So one does not know what will be the reality one quarter or two quarters down the line, but. In terms of market expectations, I think all of us are building in for any consumer company or any retail company or a hotel that uh, things we, we will be back to pre-COVID levels either in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter. Uh, any kind of uh, any of this hypothesis going wrong, either in terms of a very bad third wave, which you know which would be a repeat of a second wave, say. I think uh, that can kind of, uh, I won't say derail the market, but keep the markets subdued because then you would have lost uh, another year of uh, earnings. And I think the second is the kind of progress on the various reforms uh, or the infra spends, which has been announced in the last, uh, you know, uh, maybe two, three quarters. And uh, this would be the execution time. I think any kind of positive progress on that would would actually further enthuse the market. And lastly, I think the markets are a slave to the earnings. So I think the moment we see a normalized quarter, uh, maybe in the third quarter or fourth quarter, and we kind of see stability in the earnings uh, outlook for say 23 or 23 and beyond, I think that should calm down the markets. I mean. Uh, I mean, like that should stabilize the markets and one should be seeing stable returns in the markets from there on. So these are the big triggers that I see. Right. Uh, 
So one last question. Uh, what other top sectors, uh, according to you, that is likely to drive the next big rally in stock markets going ahead? See, as I said, uh, I'm quite optimistic on the domestic growth rebounding in a very big way, uh, you know, uh, I mean, in the medium term. So to that extent, I have reoriented my portfolio for sectors which will benefit from this. So it's either uh, corporate-oriented banks, uh, automobiles, uh, uh, as well as uh, uh, industrial goods and infrastructure, which which is a very big active weight for me. Because I do believe that uh, the private sector capex will kind of revive, and the government is also doing its more than its fair share of bit in reviving the infrastructure capex. And also from a valuation angle, I'm kind of uh, liking IT sector and pharmaceutical sector because I do believe that the earnings outlook is quite strong and uh, valuations are also quite reasonable and have some scope of uh, getting uh, re-rated. But in terms of a larger, broader section of my portfolio is geared towards the domestic growth, which I talked about, and the sectors which will benefit from that. Mm, right. Uh, so you feel that IT and uh, pharma sector probably maybe is uh, going, uh, could be re-rated. Uh, I would say in IT, a fair amount of re-rating has happened. So this will largely be earnings growth now. In pharmaceutical, I think uh, the last uh, quarter, the, the sector has taken a backseat. I think uh, the sector will rebound and uh, here there is some scope of the valuation to get uh, re-rated. Okay, on that note, Mr. Srivatsa, thanks a lot for uh, speaking to us and uh, giving us your time. We wish you good health. Thanks a yeah, lot. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. For feedback, you can write to me at nasreen.s at lifemint.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Nasreen Story. You can also reach out to us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And to listen to more podcasts like this, you need to log on to www.htsmartcast.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.